Welcome to the American Coinot Podcast. Since 1960, American Coinot Magazine has been the independent voice of the self-service laundry industry. I'm your host and editor of the magazine, Bruce Beggs. I've served American Coinop since 2011, and I'm in my 32nd year as a reporter editor. Today, we continue our series of Get to Know podcasts with a conversation with Ken Barrett, a multi-store owner based in East Central Alabama. Coming from a background working in automotive industrial robotics, Ken focused on customer movement and workflow in renovating three existing laundries, building one from scratch, and he's currently building his fifth. Apart from running his businesses, Ken shares what he's learned about the laundry industry. He's authored a book on life as a laundromat owner, posted many informative videos on YouTube, and posted dozens of podcasts and blog entries on his laundromathowto.com website. He joins me today from one of his stores in Anniston, Alabama. Good morning, Ken, and welcome to the American Coin Up Podcast. Good morning, Bruce. Great to be here. Well, thanks again for being with us, Ken. And let's dive into um, where your operation stands now. You're a multi-store owner. Tell our audience uh, where your stores are located. Tell us a little bit about each of them and how you manage them individually. All right. Um, yeah, we're in East Central Alabama. The, the stores are all located in a, a combined metropolitan area, which is two cities side by side, so they tend to flow together. Uh, the first store I built was a renovation of a closed laundry. That was uh, about nine years ago. And then uh, the next one I had after that, it was an operated laundry that was run seven days a week, 12 hours a day by one lady who just ran herself to the ground. A few years ago, built uh, the third store in the area from scratch. It was a closed down dry cleaning store. And then just this earlier this spring, bought a, a small top loader store that was up for sale. And currently, as of the time of this podcast, we're building the fifth store in the area. It used to be a Dollar General convenience type store. Busy time for you right now, correct? Yeah, so it's pretty busy now because um, I do a lot of my own maintenance, and I do have a manager running my drop-off now and helping with a lot of the, the supplies in the other stores so that she makes sure the, the cleaners have supplies in all the stores, fills all the vending machines, covers any any gaps in the, the employees at the drop-off store, and you know if they get behind, she'll step in and help out there. So that's taking a lot of the, the, the management off, and uh, they, you know they let me know if there's repairs need to happen, things like that, which allows me to focus on store construction right now. All right. Well, let's let's go back a little bit. I'd like to talk to you about your, your background. I'm detecting an accent, but it's not a, a southern accent. Where are you from, Ken? Yeah, people don't believe when I say I'm from Alabama, but uh, <laughs> it's uh, I'm, I'm actually from Canada, just outside of Toronto. I've lived up there most of my life, and then uh, I worked for a major automotive manufacturer who had a plant in uh, Alabama as well. So I transferred down here in 2002 for about three years to uh, coordinate construction of that plant and then went back up to Canada and through a series of events uh, around 2009, they were offering some bio packages and they said they'd pay me if I didn't come back to work. And I said, okay, I'll take you up on that. <laughs> you know, just at that point, I just packed everything up and moved moved back down to the U.S. and got married and opened laundromat. Now, what got you into opening laundromats? You, you know, you said that pretty matter-of-factly, but how does one yeah. make the jump from automotive industrial robotics to self-service laundry ownership? Years ago when I was on the volunteer fire department, one of the guys I was on the fire department with, we joke around, we called him Captain Freon because his dad and his whole family ran a business and they had laundromats and dry cleaning, etc. So a couple of times we had talked about, um, you know, going together on a different laundromat in another town. And it just didn't really come together. And then I was looking to move to the U.S. I really didn't want to have to get a real job again. My wife said, you know, she needed somebody to cook clean and look after the kids and 
you know, she didn't need somebody who had a real job, which conflicted with her job. So we looked around at doing maybe some rentals and things like that. And then I got looking more into the laundromats and it just seemed to be a, a good fit, you know, and, and being new, it's like most people think, you know, there's no inventory, no employees, you know, the stuff runs itself, you know, it shouldn't be a big problem. Then that changed as I hired more employees and got more stores and became a little more involved with all the maintenance and that stuff. People getting in, you know, they, they think that idea, hey, it's just going to run itself. But I think we've all been in for a while realize that's not the case. And so this is truly your full-time job now, is it not? Yeah. And the, the thing I've kind of realized lately is running laundromats, it lets you be flexible, but you have to be flexible. I mean, we recently took a, a four-day or a five-day cruise and didn't get the internet package, phone shut off. So what am I going to do if somebody phones me? You know, I'm two days from short. And just let's see what happens. And I uh, had my manager in place and other people in place to cover things and, you know, got back and everything was fine. Two days later, you get a water leak and you're thinking, well, does the water know that I'm back? It was a full month. But, um, <laughs> He's back uh, from vacation. Let's dump this on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there we go. He's, he looks all relaxed. But <laughs> you know, like the times you can just take off and it really makes you realize, hey, you know what, how much can I do from a phone and calling other people and you know, when you're here, it's pretty easy to just really get involved doing it all yourself, and that kind of forces you to step back a bit as well. But, uh, yeah, you do get that flexibility. You know, if you need a day off, then, you know, you've got something going on at home or your kid's school or somewhere else, you can just you can go and factor it in. I think a lot of people, when they get into it, they own one store. Um, you may own a business, but you may own a job. And it, it's hard to define, make that definition. Especially, I mean, most small businesses, you really just bought a job you get to spend more time on it. You know, you'd rather work more time for yourself than somebody else. With a laundromat, there's that ability to, to get more freedom, but I think it's easy to get pulled into it. But once you get a second store, that changes the game because now you can't be in both of them at the same time all the time. And then as that expands out, then you realize you have to rely on more people and you have to find more more confident people for, for the roles you're looking for. You're not going to find somebody who does everything you do, but you got to define those small pieces that you can contract out or hire out or find somebody to do for you. How has your background in automotive industrial robotics and, and the, you know, the philosophies and the, the, um, the, the, the workflow, I guess, is, is the word I'm looking for. How has that informed the way that you've set up your laundries? That's, it's really had a big impact on the way you yeah. see things, hasn't it? Yeah, and it, it was kind of strange because when, when you get into automotive, I was in maintenance and, and engineering and project management and stuff, but, you know, dealt a lot with, um, you know, people there. They work online. They're building the vehicles every single part of building that vehicle, every screw, everything is defined on how it's put in, when it's put in, who puts it in, how much torque, what tool you use. And the operation standards, I'd been them around them for 20 years, understood them, I'd written them. I understood the whole concept. I opened up a laundromat, had employees, and couldn't figure out, I couldn't put the two together because I'd seen it on such a big scale, I couldn't, I couldn't scale it down to a small store. I finally, uh, I read the book, I think it's called The E-Myth, where it really explains how to systemize your store from a small store level. And once I read that, I looked at it going, I don't know how to do this. Why aren't I doing it? And, uh, you know, I went through and wrote operation standards for my drop-off and dropped my training time from weeks to most employees now can run the shift by themselves, run the store by themselves with nobody else there within five shifts. And that's from walking in the door to you're making the decisions, call me if you need me. It's all been by, by systemizing that stuff. I knew it. But it was on such a big scale, I couldn't tone it down to the small scale. You know, that, that was kind of the biggest thing that I took from major manufacturing into the small business. And, and I just didn't even realize that I knew it and could implement it. 
Do you consider yourself an inquisitive person, Ken? Are you always seeking information about about what you're doing, about your industry? Yeah, I think I am. Probably uh, way more than my wife would appreciate. But <laughs> it's one where, yeah, I'm always, you know, reading the stuff, talking to people, and just there's, there's a whole thing about um, upsetting industries and all that. There's changes coming in the laundry industry, and there's a lot of different directions and stuff. So it's, it's interesting to stay on top of those. But, but even getting back to some of the basics of the machine, you know, just um, how do they work? How do they, how do they do that? Why are they putting that bolt there? You know, how can I lay this out better to work on it when I build the bulkhead behind it? What's the easiest way to get in there? In some cases, it slows me down because I'm just you know, interested in too many different things and then trying to focus on the ones I should be at the time. You're an information gatherer, but it seems that you're a pretty healthy information sharer as well. I mean, we've talked about, in the intro, we talked about the fact that you're a published author, you're a podcaster, you make YouTube videos. Let's talk about that aspect of you and what prompted yeah. you to write that that book, Life as a Laundromat Owner. Just somewhere, and some of it are kind of pieces I put together, and it just it was kind of fun to just sit down and lay it out. Because I think a lot when I got into the business and you know, it was 10 years ago. The internet wasn't where it is now, but at the same time, I mean, I could find a lot of stuff searching 10 years ago, and there was a lot of stuff I just couldn't find. So, and, and you know, really trying to understand from somebody who didn't, didn't grow up in the business or, you know, work in the business and then, you know, by their own, somebody coming in fresh, what to expect, what's there, what, right. you know, what's, what's a day really like? Because it's not like you can, you know, hey, I'll go work at this store and then buy one next to them. It's, you know, like a plumber where you apprentice with one guy and then go start your own business. You really don't know what's going on until you get in there. So that's what a lot of that was. Just, it was it was fun just to kind of sit and, you know, type away on a quiet day and let your thoughts spill out. So how about the YouTube videos? How did you get involved in those? And, and how do you decide, you know, what topics to, to talk about or what topics to post? There's a variety of those. I think last I checked, I'm a little over 400 YouTube videos. And some of them are very short. Some of them I've, I've focused on... Uh, some will tie back into the, the blog. It explains more in the bit. So the video will be there, but then there's more explanation to it. If I want to fix something, if I want to do anything, I, I search online and it's usually videos I'll look at. And there's a lot of just small repairs that came up that, you know, I'll just grab my camera and just go through and say, oh, by the way, this is a fairly easy repair, but you need this wrench to get this bolt off. And if you don't have this, don't even start because you got to have that. It's just there's no way around it. So it's things like that. And there's a lot of times I've gone back and actually looked at my own videos to see how I did repairs two years ago. But uh, <laughs> I think the funniest thing was uh, I got an email from Captain Freon that he was looking on how to change a, a motor on a washer, and he typed it in, and a video of mine came up to tell him how to do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and, and that's, like I said, there's, there's some on marketing and a bunch of different ones, but um, a lot of it's just been, I'm working on something, you know what, I'm just going to take a quick video of this and, and just let people know, you know, here's, how to do it because there's a lot of people now I mean they want to learn how to fix their own equipment and they just don't know where to start yeah some are easier some are difficult I have had comments saying you know I need a cameraman and a better editor and you know stuff like that I'm going well it's me and a phone <laughs> right <laughs> it's, I, I don't plan these repairs <laughs> I mean you know I, I do the best I can and I realize sometimes that you, you might overlook something that was kind of critical but um, you know anybody's free to make a comment on the video and I try and get back to them pretty quick it helps the next guy if there was something missed that we can put some comments on it as well now, how about the podcast? Your yeah. podcasts are more topic-based. Talk about how you got involved in podcasting and, and how that's developed uh, over the years. I, I kind of forget just exactly how I got into it. I mean, it was it was neat. I've listened to a lot and got a lot of information on business and marketing. And 
I thought, well, let's give it a shot and see what I can put together. And some of them are audio versions of, of posts that I have somewhere else, which, you know, people get their mediums in different places. Some people like to listen to while they're driving instead of sitting and reading. Yeah, and, and, you know, I did some interviews with uh, various owners just trying to get their understanding. And, you know, I reached out to some different groups, like the guy we get our security cameras from, just to give an explanation on cameras and what to look for and how they approach them and set them up, you know, and what size and all that stuff. Some of the companies just, you know, don't even return your phone calls because they don't think they see the value in it. But other ones, they're looking at going, I can spend 20 minutes, half an hour talking to this guy, and that's the equivalent of talking to hundreds of people. I, I've slowed down a little bit in the last while, just um, like I made the comment to one guy, so I got to get back to the stuff that makes money. Right. So, as, as, <laughs> right. As, much, as, much as, the, as much as the videos and the, and the podcasts are fun, um, you know, you, you, it's still, it's more of a hobby, so you got to make sure you balance it well. Last thing, I just wanted to touch base with you again about where you stand with your uh, businesses. So you're building your, your fifth from scratch. How soon will that be available and open? And, and will you be moving on to another store from them? Or what's what's in the immediate future for Ken Barrett? That'll, that'll be open in a couple of months. We're rolling along really good with that. It's actually, this this one's involved a little bigger commercial project because there's uh, it's a 7,200 square foot building, but I only need part of that. So there's some additional, it, it really gets me into more of the commercial landlord business now, which is, uh, it's a new venture that I've, I've already started calling other people and asking them about on how that works because it's just, uh, it's an area I haven't been involved in from that side. Writing leases is one thing, you know, when you're trying to get everything you want, but when somebody's trying to get everything they want and you own the building, it's a different story. So there's some room for development around this particular location. So I'll be focusing on that a little bit just to, build up that whole that whole area and so the information gathering continues uh, with that ken i'm going to close today's american quinot podcast i want to thank you so much for being a guest it was great talking to you yeah it's been great thanks for having me on the american quinot podcast is a production of american trade magazines llc in chicago with music written by nazar ryback and provided by hook sounds for more information about future podcasts visit our website at americanquinot.com or consult The Wire, our weekly e-newsletter. Also, be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter to stay informed about these podcasts, along with news and information from around the industry. For American Coin Op, this is Editor Bruce Beggs saying your cycle is up.